I bought a little book called What is the Gospel? It's a brand new book that just came out, What is the Gospel? Um, I'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, I do not recommend this book, but I got it. (laughs) But I want to use it as an example of why, you know, we're missing it. You know, we're missing it in so many places, but um, because there are plenty of good books out there that I would recommend, but I'm just using that as an example. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and get going then. Cool. Lord, we do thank you so much for your protection, for your eyes that see us like you saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. You see us. It's the most awesome reality that you see us. And if our daddy sees us, our daddy is with us. Just thank you, Father. We pray that you would help us see and hear today more clearly the revelation of the gospel, of the good news. May this be a concise explanation of what the gospel really is. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. For who can know these things but the spirit of God who reveals to us that which blind men cannot see. And we once were blind, but now we see. Amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us see. Amen. I guess how to, to start this off, I, I, I want to share a few thoughts about what the gospel is. It might be a good message to give to someone, um, but just in a concise way, talk about what the gospel is. Um, Of course, the word gospel we know means good news, good news. And I love that word news because as we've said before in here, news is something that's already happened. You read the paper to see what happened last night or the day before, you read the news. It's something that's already happened. So first and foremost, the gospel is just that. It is good news. And I like the word great as opposed to good. I think it's great news. I think it's exceedingly great news. It's more than just good news. It's great news. But it is news. It's something that's already happened. It's actually something, something God has already done. And it's a, it's a key understanding of the gospel because the gospel doesn't put you on a path so you can do, so you can do in order to get somewhere. That's the law. The law puts you on a path that you may do in order to get somewhere. And that that place that the law leads you is a destination you will never arrive at. Never. Never. It is a hopeless roadmap to a place you can never find or attain. Exactly. Because righteousness for which the law 
tries to give you is never achieved by our doing. But the gospel, the good news, is that God has done something and given us something so that we can enjoy him. Um, Paul says this. He says the law in the Corinthian letter, he called the law the letters of death and the ministry of condemnation. The word ministry there means serves, to be served. It serves a condemnation to you. It's like going into a restaurant and you order condemnation off the menu. And they bring you condemnation on a plate. That is what the law does. It serves you condemnation. On the other hand, Paul says that the gospel, the good news, is the ministry of righteousness. So the gospel is like going into a restaurant, and on the menu you order, you know, do you want the law menu or do you want the grace menu? So you get the grace menu, and you say, I think I'll have righteousness, please. And so the, the server actually brings you righteousness as a gift. That's what Paul was describing, the difference between the law and grace and the two covenants. So it's first, first and foremost, it is awesome, great, good news, something that God has already done. Um, in a word, uh, the gospel, first of all, okay, let me say, the, the gospel is tied completely to Jesus himself, Jesus himself, and what he did. Jesus himself and his work. Paul said, this is the gospel. According to the scriptures, he says, this is the gospel. He says, for Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and was buried, and was raised again on the third day, and ascended into heaven. Now, that in itself is not the good news. That is the the why of the good news. Because if you don't understand the meaning of his death, the meaning of his burial, the meaning of his resurrection, the meaning of his ascension, it's not good news. So, but the historical reality, the fact that Christ came, the Son of the living God came, the life was manifested John said, the life was manifested. We beheld him. We saw him. We handled him. We touched him. The life that was with the Father was manifested. And by the way, saints, the Christian life is a life manifested. It is not a, an old, dead, fallen life trying to improve. It is not an old, dead, fallen life trying to improve. It is a new life manifested, the Christian life. So, so um, understanding the meaning of his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension is the key to understanding what the good news or the great news is. In a word, God came to us the scripture says that his name would be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means 
Yeshua means God is Savior. He shall be called Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. The coming of Christ, and we sing the song Christmas time, you know, I love the angel's declaration, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. I bring you great news, good, great joy, a great news, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For I bring you, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In essence, saints, being saved from our sins The work of Christ, the work of his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, the work of Christ completely and effectively has put you and I into a relationship and into a union with God himself such that you have never sinned and never will sin. He has saved his people from their sins. He has literally, he has literally created a whole new creation. We're going to talk about that in a second, but he has literally put away sin as hebrew says he has not merely covered it as the law did as a shadow of the good thing to come through the blood of bulls and goats and animals this christ has literally ended all that was from adam until he came and began all things new in him there is a complete reversal a complete reversal of sin, the curse, everything that relates to the fall. And he has raised in himself this new reality. It is the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come. Heaven, heaven is within reach. Heaven has come to earth. Earth could not go to heaven. Heaven has come to earth. And it's the great joyful news that spread from city to city and turned cities upside down and turned, more importantly, religion upside down because religion does not recognize the removal of all sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is awesome, awesome news that that. Literally, upon understanding the grace of God in truth and believing this awesome love that has come to us, what manner of love is this that the Father would call us His sons and daughters? It's, it literally catapults you into this experiential revelation and union and great peace of heaven itself. And it's a peace and a joy that abides no matter what the storms are on this planet. In the world, we shall have tribulation, Jesus said. In the world, you shall have hard times. In the world, I shall have hard times. But be of good cheer, 
For I have overcome the world. In me, you have peace. In me, you have joy. So the gospel, the good news, is, is this awesome understanding of what Jesus accomplished through his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension. And the way we get into this good news, the way, the way we partake of this good news, is that we hear this being proclaimed and we simply believe. He who hears this message and believes shall receive the forgiveness of all their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the agent by which you are made new and translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son in a moment. Spiritual circumcision takes place. Peter says we are born again of a living hope by the resurrection of Christ. The death of Jesus, the death of Jesus, Christ crucified, speaks of a complete reconciliation of every sin we have ever committed and will ever commit even beyond the amount of sin you could create and commit if you lived a thousand years. This prophet said, tell them that they have received double for their sins. Comfort my people, the scripture says. You can't live long enough to sin enough more than what the work of Christ erased. I mean, the death of Jesus, we're looking at the death first, is so powerful. And Paul explains how it all works because he literally has taken us out of the law, from under the law, out of this realm, which is a realm of law for the fallen world, and translated us into the realm of grace, heaven itself, where there is no law, there's only life. Life manifested in love, which fulfills everything the law was trying to get fallen man to do. Life manifested in love, which fulfills everything the law was trying to get fallen man to do and more, much more. So we have this complete removal of all sin by his death. Complete Sin is not being cleansed from you and I on a daily basis or on an hourly basis or on a second-by-second second basis. Sin never sticks. It's never imputed. Where there is no law, sin is not imputed. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. You're not being cleansed daily by confession of sin. You're not being cleansed hourly by confession of sin. You're not being cleansed on a, in time at all. Because what happened was outside of time and yet inside of time, he offered himself by the eternal spirit. And what was accomplished brought you and I complete reconciliation for all sin 
God didn't just wink at sin. He judged it. He judged it. He will not judge it again. That's why it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we as an unbeliever confess our sins, as an unbeliever we confess or agree with God that we're a sinner, he is faithful and just. The reason why it's just is because he will not judge it twice. There is no double jeopardy with God. Just. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, God doesn't do anything all more than once. Think about that. Does he do something all more than once? It doesn't even make sense. Okay, I'll do it all again. Or I'll do it all again. I'll do it all again. Well, it's not really all. All unrighteousness. So as an unbeliever, when we agree with God that we're a sinner and we need a Savior, then we enter into what he accomplished by simple faith. For we are saved by grace, through faith, Paul said, not of ourselves, not of our own good works. So that's the first understanding that is just unbelievable. Sin is no longer being imputed to us. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will no longer take into account. Scripture says, New Covenant. In this new covenant, I'll remember their sins no more. I'll keep a record. That's the word remember means I'll keep a record of their sins no more. Because of the Christ. Because of the blood of Jesus. When it says we now walk in the light as he is in the light, that word light is a reference to a place. It's another way of saying the kingdom of the beloved son because the next line says, as he is in the light. We walk now, and walk in the light means walk means to be consciously aware of the reality and the revelation that we too are where he is. If we walk in this awareness that we are where he is, which is his heart, the whole thing, was to bring us to where he is, that we might be where he is. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another with him because that's where he is in this realm. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And that means, in the Greek there, it means it's a continual cleansing that really is, is the way it's worded in the Greek is like one act in the past totally cleanses or totally accommodates everything that follows for he's not to die often. So by one offering of the son in death, the reference to the blood of Christ is a, is a reference to an act, one act of obedience, Romans says, and he gave himself for us is a finished thing. He's not to die again, the Scripture says, and he's not to die often. If we think in terms of cleansing on a daily basis, then Hebrews says he would have to have died often since the foundation of the world, every day. Okay, so being where he is now, we have fellowship with him because he has brought us there, and in that place, sin is not 
counted against us. So we have this fellowship with him. Okay, let me go back to burial now. Burial speaks of the removal of the flesh, the burial of the old man. It's a very important part of the gospel because if you don't see burial and resurrection, what that means, then you will see basically a fallen, you'll really see yourself still in the flesh, trying to perfect the flesh through the Holy Spirit. And you'll see the Christian life as primarily a life where the Spirit convicts you of sin, and through the conviction of sin, you repent continually and work on things and remove those sins in order to be a better person. Whereas the Scripture says, let us not lay again the foundation of repentance. It never says, let us not lay again the foundation of faith. For faith is to grow, faith to faith to faith. But there's a point where you don't continually repent, 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 repent. There are times when we still change our minds about things that we, are, we don't understand. We didn't see that that was really not Christ, Christ-like, and we change our minds about things. But saints, repentance is not to be this daily thing that we're always repenting. It says clearly, let us not lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works, but let's move on to maturity. Let's, let's see who we are in Christ. It's not daily repentance the believer needs. It's daily renewal of the mind. Where our minds being renewed to who Christ is. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a time when, when we repent, we change our minds about something. There was a, a brother in the Corinthian letter that was off on what he thought was Christ-like, and he needed to be, to be rebuked, and, and he repented. He changed his mind about that. But you don't see this emphasis on repentance for the daily Christian life in the apostolic writings. You just don't see it. You see it at the outset, the beginning, the change your mind to believe, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. The Gospel of John doesn't even mention the word repentance once. The entire, entire Gospel of John doesn't mention the word repentance once, not once. Not to say it's not important, but I'm saying we, we've, we've misunderstood the Gospel, therefore we put emphasis where the apostles did not put emphasis. We misunderstand the Gospel, and therefore we put emphasis where emphasis was not there by the apostles. So burial speaks of the complete removal of the old man. Burial. Resurrection is awesome. Resurrection is the beginning of the new creation. Like Peter says, we are born again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Christ. Paul says we are reconciled by his death and saved by his life. The death reconciles us. But if that's all we had, we would be reconciled dead people and not new creations. But the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ speaks of a complete reconciliation and the creation of something entirely new, a new creation that is not of the Adamic race, not from below, but from above, Jesus said. This includes, obviously, a new heart. A new heart. Now, if you see the new creation, that you really are a new person, as Paul preached, Paul ministered to the believer and said, see who you are. See Christ and see who you are in him. For you've been created new in his image. 
Therefore, because you are new, put off the deeds of the old man who is dead and who died and put on the deeds of the new man because that's who you really are. It changes the way you see yourself, the way you minister to other people. The reason I do not recommend this book, What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert? What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert, which is a brand new book that's out and many people are lauding it and praising it. C.J. Mahaney on the back of the book, he's a very well-known speaker, says, I wish I could get this book into every hand, every pastor's hand, every believer's hands, and there are others that recommend the book. And it's sad that they're recommending a book that doesn't even mention the new creation. Doesn't even mention the new heart. And the reason why is because their view of the gospel is such that this concept in their thinking and many other theologians' thinking is that the believer has indwelling sin and that through the Spirit of God, God points out the indwelling sin in our lives and we work on those areas of indwelling sin to get better and better and improve and become more Christ-like. When the truth is, Paul said, the new man has no indwelling sin in him, but the flesh does. That the power of sin does remain in the flesh. But that's not who you are. Totally key. The power of sin does remain in the flesh. Paul talked about in Romans 7 about how the soul is new, that we're new, the soul. In Romans 7, he talks about a soul who had the knowledge of good. I knew what was right. He had the will to do good, mind, will, emotions, soul. The will, he says, I will to do good, but when I will to do good, I find evil is present in me, and I actually do the thing I hate. I will to do the right thing, but I end up doing the thing I don't want to do. And I hate sin, the emotion. I hate, there's the emotion. All in Romans 7, the the soul is complete and new, has knowledge of right and wrong, has the will to do right, delights in the law of God after the inner man, and hates sin. And yet, Paul says, I find there's something in my members. I learned that there was a principle in my members, in the flesh, in my body, actually bringing me into into captivity every time. Who shall deliver me from this body of death, Paul said. He said, that is in my flesh, not in me, he said, Romans 7, made it very clear. That is in my flesh, for in my flesh, he says, dwells no good thing. You see it? A whole new person on the inside of this outer shell. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power is clearly clearly seen to be of God, not of ourselves. Why? Because the new creation is actually hot, hardwired. The new creation is hardwired, dependent on another. You're made that way. The new creation is hardwired, dependent on the life of another. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But, But Christ lives through me. The spirit of man joined to the spirit of God is one spirit now. The new man. But we live by him. So we live in this complete dependency on him. See, contrary to religious thinking, as you and I grow closer, or or not closer, but as we grow in our walk with God, we don't get more and more aware of our sinfulness. 
and more aware of God's holiness and, and, and austere separateness. No, the, the, that's wrong thinking that leads to that. The more we walk with God in this revelation of the new covenant, we become more and more aware of his awesomeness and our awesomeness also, for we have been created, created new in his image. And in addition to that, we grow in a greater and greater dependence on him with greater understanding that apart from him, I can do nothing. And that's life. This is death. This is where you become a worm and you go, I'm unworthy. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, that's not the gospel. You are a saint. You are a son. And you are completely dependent on another. As the Son of God himself said, I can do nothing of myself. The Father speaks the words. The Father does the works. And he says, as I live by the Father, you shall live by me. Because he would bring us to where he is in union with him. That's the good news. That this new creation is hardwired in in a, a place of total dependence on him. And it's a joy to let another live his own life through us. That's why he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Be joined up to me. Be yoked up to me. Learn this revelation of union that's coming to earth and you will experience rest for your souls. And that's what Paul did. He experienced in Romans 8 this deliverance from the body of death because he saw that the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the flesh is death. So as long as you live in this world of of trying to fix yourself and use, think the Spirit of God is sent to convict you of sin as a believer so you can improve yourself, it's death. But the mindset on the Spirit and the things of the Spirit, this revelation, set your mind on things above, know you not you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, know you not that you are not of the world anymore, of the earth, for you are, look at who you are and where you are seated with Him, it's life. It's life. See, that's life. That's the apostolic teaching of this new revelation, of this new creation. In fact, one, one sentence in the book here, I noticed that I was watching very carefully how he was going to talk about the coming of the Spirit of God because that's where it talks about, that's where I would expect him to start talking about the new creation and the new heart and all this, and it didn't come. And he even mentioned the Spirit is given to convict the believer of, of, of sin. And it's a total false statement in, in terms of what the Scripture says. The Holy Spirit is given, the Scripture says, to convict the world of sin because they believe not on Jesus. And the Spirit is given to convince you of righteousness because you have believed on Him. And the Spirit is given to reveal that the prince of this world, the accuser, has been judged. Not you, but him. Awesome. So, so this, see, all right, saints, look, look, look at this. It's so cool. When we really understand the new creation, how do you, see, this thinking that we have to know the depths of our depravity, we have to continually 
unfold the depths of sin in our flesh in order to change, in order to be like Christ, is so wrong. So wrong. Because the moment, the moment you and I have been created new, the way you and I nurture the new person in ourselves and in others has nothing to do with the sin that remains in the flesh. Nothing. No good thing dwells in the flesh. You don't look to it. You don't work on it. You don't try to address it. You don't do it in yourself nor in others trying to make them more Christ-like. What you do is you nurture the new man. You see it? It's a whole different way of looking. That's why the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. The letter of the law is where you're always pointing out fleshly sins, trying to get people to do better, and it's death, and it's condemnation. It doesn't work. But the Spirit brings life because you're trying to get them to see something. Remember, it's news. It's done. The new man has come. You have been raised. And so how do I nurture the new life in my brother and my sister? I speak the truth. As Ephesians says, speaking the truth one to another in love, building each other up. The truth, the real, the reality, the new creation, remind each other of who we are in him. As we all are growing up into the fullness of the stature of the Son of God. Life manifesting, life manifesting, life manifesting, bearing much fruit. As we're all growing more and more dependent on him, our head, we, his body. He, the true vine, we, merely the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Isn't that awesome? It's liberty. Where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. This is truth. This is the gospel. Awesome. And we're almost out of time, but the ascension of Christ is all about this transference from the kingdom of this realm or darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. The ascension is a, uh, it speaks about you being moved from one place to another place. Now seated with him in heavenly places. He who has ascended. So the new life doesn't remain here on earth. So it's not just that you're forgiven and reconciled, but, but remain dead. It's not just that you've been raised and made a new creation here on earth. But it's the ascension that you've been moved to another realm while you walk the earth. You are actually where he is. He is where you are. The kingdom has come. Heaven has come. And so you are seated with him in heavenly places even as you walk the earth because the ascension brought you there. And now you live the ascended life. You would live the ascended life that's being manifested. Behold, I show you the Lamb's wife having the glory of God coming down from heaven. Not trying to get there. (laughs) Coming down from heaven manifesting on the earth. It's a work worthy of God. 
And no flesh can glory in his presence. It's a work worthy of God. Oh, the depths of the wisdom, power of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know not the scriptures, nor the power of God. And that's why you're in error. You know not the scriptures, nor the power of God. For this God raises the dead, Paul says, and calls into being that which did not exist before. Never mentioned in the book. Never mentioned in the book called What is the Gospel? It's sad. Hold that question just a second, Norma. Thanks. Good news. God has opened our eyes, and we continually see more and more of what he has done. Let's shout from the housetops the good news. Good news. Great news. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see the gospel, the good news. Oh, Lord. Behold, I make all things new. Consider not the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Oh, so slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. For he has done a new thing. He has created new. A new race. A new creation. A new man. For we are a holy nation a royal priesthood that we might show forth the excellencies of God. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Many prophets and kings desired to see the things that you see, and they did not. Many prophets and kings desired to hear the things you have heard, and they did not. Blessed are the ears that hear these things. And the eyes that see these things. For it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It is given unto you. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen.